0: Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli. My co host here, Dave Popowicz. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How about you? It's uh, good. It's been a very interesting week in the markets. And um, it's getting colder outside now. Well, the mornings, hey? Mornings in the, in the late evenings. I agree. Yep. That happens fast. It's not even like end of August yet. I no. Oh, no. Well, we're not done yet. We're and not it's, done. It's getting cold out. <laughs> that means, you know, people are going to start thinking, uh oh, I will have to fly away.
1: Yeah let
0: snowbird. Mm-hmm. Get out of this place. Not yet. Not yet. I don't want to jinx it because I want. I. I don't snowbird. I right. want to stay, and I want it to be this kind of weather right. the whole year round. It's not going to happen. But people are talking about. You know, got to get geared up to to leave. So what's yeah. all the questions, concerns, comments, issues with snowbirding? We're going to yeah. have our guests on that. And um, there is a huge trend in pickleball. Mm-hmm. Huge uh, participation. A lot of people getting involved. We're going to have Pickleball Alberta on the show talking about all the different issues, concerns, and ways that they're growing their membership uh, in this province. It's booming. It's booming. So we're going to definitely talk about that.
1: Okay. Um, So let's talk about, um, you said it's getting a little bit cold. We have seen a bit of chill in the markets uh, for the month of August, quite frankly. But uh, this was an interesting week. Of course, the headline event was going to be um, the Jackson Hole Meeting of central bankers and what were they going to say or not say? And, you know, I think there was lots of consternation around that.
0: I find it very interesting on the prediction of the words that are going to be used to then determine what should happen in the markets. Mm-hmm. Can one speech be that impactful that literally at the beginning of the speech, the markets are up? Let's pick on the major two Dow and TSX up triple digit. Yep to literally two minutes in, false. By just verbiage, no action, verbiage. This is very interesting, and it's not because, oh, we have to reprice everything on those words. It's total reaction, and I think it's algorithms. I think it's a lot of these computerized systems that say, if they say this, then do that. Just plug in, plug out. And I think there's a lot of, of money moving around Unnecessarily.
1: Well, and it shows you how I'm going to use the word inefficient. The market can be in the short term, right? It can move on emotion, right? It can move. It can move on any number of different things. Whether that price discovery action in that particular moment is correct or not, right, really gets tested over time. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, these things can and do move markets. One word can be interpreted today and, you know, means something different next week, it is it is unbelievable. And I think people need to be cautious of that.
0: I, I think we should also take a step back and think about what um, the theory of what should be said right. versus what is said. Prior to Friday's speech, inflation was above target. The economy is still growing in the U.S. And the employment situation's pretty good. Yeah, Product productivity increased a bit. In all those areas, why were people, economists, analysts, expecting some sort of hint that they're gonna slow down? Well,
1: why were they? So well, first of all, here's what I'd say. What makes a market is having different opinions. Of course. Right, so number one, we want different opinions, right? But it is interesting, and it's when we parse it after, you look at these things and so on and so forth. So um, uh, the, the time I get most concerned, Faisal, is when everybody's on one side. We all believe the same thing, one thing. That gets to be scary.
0: Yeah. right. And, and you can't have a market if everybody's on the same side. Yeah, on the same side. Nothing moves right. then. Uh, but, but this is, so for the average investor, for the average individual transitioning to or living in retirement, and you look at this one day I, we use this in the same piece because get ready for the next two years of of political elections and so forth. There's going to be speeches, there's going to be debates, there's going to be a lot of promises deli- uh, suggested, and people are going to react based on a speech. And I have I have been doing this way too long to, to, to know that it's not what they say, it's what they do. Sure. Absolutely. And so... Will they cut interest rates? The markets are expecting this, so on and so. We'll know when we'll know. Why are we trying to predict so far into the future of what's gonna happen? And here's what's interesting. Right now, you're gonna hear a lot of pundits come out and say, based on the current valuations, the future rate of return on the stock market is 4 to 5%. It's not even worth it, buy bonds. Right. They're basing the entire next 10 years on today's valuation. The same group was saying the same thing 10 years ago, literally 10 years ago when the mm-hmm. valuation was high. Yep. And how has the last 10 years been
1: right. for performance? Yeah, it's been pretty good.
0: So taking current data and trying to make out what it'll look like 10 years from now is, is a guessing game. Well, and the further
1: you go out, right, the bigger the guess, there's there's no question. There's another fundamental thing that happened this week that I I wanna get your comment on, Okay, because Nvidia came out with some blockbuster Mm -hmm. financial results, and overnight markets uh, rewarded them for it, Um, and then, you know, the the trading ahead of the Fed decision, right, really was, it was flat to slightly negative. So it was interesting to see actual performance from a company, okay? When I read it, I saw beat, top line, bottom line, forecast, everything, beat, beat, beat. Hmm. Pause. Nope. Nope. Fed issue or whatever. So whatever took, took precedent over that. And I think a lot that's of that, interesting. A
0: lot of that had, Dave, had to do with, you know, um, buy on rumors, sell on news. Mm-hmm. And, and so you got that momentum going into it. They announced the markets look good. Oh, okay, let's just sell and get a profit. Because this is one company that's done very well over mm-hmm. the last... Call it 12 to 13 months, and why not take some profit? I understand that concept. Then you're hearing that, you know, when you look at all the analysts, they actually push their numbers up. Yeah. Consensus pushed up. Yeah. You saw some that were looking at, you know, a small percentage was saying it's way less than what uh, the consensus was. There's a couple of outliers saying it's triple the amount of what consensus was. Right. I've, I haven't seen that much change in in names unless they're having so much of attention. Right. And so what, what this says to me is that we focus on the winner. And let me give you an example. Those of us who, who watch and play hockey will know if, if Connor McDavid has a bad game, does that mean the Oilers are not gonna make the playoffs? Right. If Connor McDavid has a, a great game, does that mean they're gonna win the Stanley Cup? That's exactly what happens in the markets. NVIDIA didn't, didn't perform that day. Does that mean the markets are done? What? But there are some benchmark companies, right? NVIDIA is not a bellwether of is anything now. except for chips and AI. AI. AI has not made profit for any company yet. Mm. So they're predicting again, way out in the future for something that isn't showing profit today. NVIDIA is. NVIDIA is <laughs> making money on the chips because they, <laughs> they've got the market cornered right. and they can raise prices and, and, they, and you have no choice but to take their, their price. Right. Sounds like a pretty good business to me.
1: Pretty good business.
0: That doesn't mean that's what the entire tech sector is. No, 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 no. And that's where they use that as a bellwether. Yeah,
1: yeah, but so they they will get lumped in there, right? Rightfully or wrongfully. Uh, Correct. Yeah, yeah, you can. Uh, you can pick. The um, what other big stories do you think influenced markets this week? We're, th- we're in a, a seasonally weak period.
0: Well, I, I think the Canadian banks, two of the largest banks, came out with their numbers this week in Canada. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, those two. Um, Tale of two different stories yep. And one, one made a profit in cutting staff, one didn't see an increase in their profit line year over year, um, um, but is looking at some share buybacks. So, so the tale of two different story, but what was interesting between both of them, they've increased their loan loss provisions. Mm-hmm. Now I look at this and say, okay, if you're gonna increase your loan loss provisions, get ready for rough times ahead. And that's what people need to protect.
1: Right. You know, I think everybody by this point has heard of Pickleball. I'm not sure everybody knows what Pickleball is, but we've all heard of it. And maybe this is an interview that's long overdue since it's, you know, it's really, really building in popularity amongst the seniors community, right? Retired community.
0: Yeah. So, you know, um, first of all, have you played Pickleball? I haven't. I have not played it yet. I'm looking forward to it. It is growing in popularity. Major sports stars are getting involved with it. I think Tom Brady's part of it now. LeBron James wants to be part of it in the States like yep. it's it's growing and it's growing fast right so let's talk about how it's impacting us in Alberta and yep. the opportunities here We've with Kirk Jensen president of Pickleball Alberta Kirk welcome to the show
2: you much and Dave
1: so let's talk a little bit about its popularity how popular is Pickleball right now Kirk how popular is Pickleball that is a, the question right now the
2: definitely this hot topic I can tell you that I've been president of Pickleball Alberta for four years now. Our membership in the four years, and this is actually during almost two years of COVID, we've gone from 4,000 to almost 10,000 members in Alberta. Yeah, in just over four years, just under four years. Wow! So, you know, we've got we've gone probably from 20 clubs to over 40 clubs now, from uh, each corner of the province, uh, every major city, small towns. right across Alberta and in Canada and the world. It's really taking uh, hold everywhere that uh, there are people that want to play sport and stay active and stay healthy.
0: Kirk, one thing that we've been hearing from at least locally in our city and some outside of our local market here um, is the facilities that are out there. They've been somewhat been a, you kind of have to figure out where you can play. It might be in a tennis court, might be in a gymnasium during the winter. We don't have any purpose-built facilities, at least in Calgary. Mm-hmm. What's the outlook for pickleball, Alberta, to get those facilities out there that can be multi-use? It doesn't have to only be pickleball. There can be other other um, activities in the same venue. But I think we're we're missing the infrastructure side of it. Now, and I'm a hockey player. I grew up playing hockey. Yeah. There were hockey rinks everywhere. Why aren't there a whole bunch of opportunities? There's gymnasiums everywhere. Yeah. yeah. What about pickleball?
2: Okay. Well. That is a, an excellent question because we are starving for facilities. In fact, the two major cities, Calgary and Edmonton, we have been lobbying for two or three years. I mean, there was even a task force put together, a volunteer task force to try to lobby the city of Calgary to get pickleball courts, to get community pickleball courts. Um, same as in Edmonton, there was a gentleman, there's a gentleman named Doug Fogg. I've been to meetings with the city of Edmonton. He's been to countless meetings with the city of Edmonton. It just seems like it's a, a process that I I don't know they must have other priorities because they're really not taking it serious enough to get the facilities there. It's not like we haven't tried to work with them, but I do know that the private sector has said, you know what, if the, the uh, civil municipalities aren't going to do it, we'll do it. Um, and so like, I know there's what, four or five now private ones either built or being built uh, in Edmonton. I know there's a large one being built right now in Calgary, the, Edmonton Pickleball, or the Calgary Pickleball Centre. Um, there'll be a private one opening in, uh, I believe, the last part of September. Um, I, I just wish that they would see and understand how important pickleball is, and how many courts you can put in a surface area. Because it's not like tennis, where it takes a lot of space. <clears throat> it's uh, the size of a badminton court. You can put a lot. Of, you can put four players because it's usually doubles that they play uh, on four on a badminton-sized court. And you can put a lot of badminton courts in a, in a small area.
1: So you know when we talk about a successful retirement, we talk about sort of three key pillars to that. You've got you need to stay mentally engaged in something. Mm-hmm you need to stay socially engaged with people and you need to stay physically engaged for the health benefits, right? right? And um, of the little I know, again, I haven't played it. Um, I think that you are certainly touching two of those pillars, right? The social and the physical aspect. I'm, I'm sure as you progress in it, there's strategy and there's some mental engagement as well. But what do you think this has meant and will mean to that seniors community of people as, you know, as more and more people learn about this, Kirk, where do you see this going?
2: You know, it, it, I think we're in unprecedented waters. I'm not sure of a game that I've known that it's, when you say it's growing, it's actually exploding in growth. Um, and four years ago, we could never think that we were going to more than double our membership. Um, Where's it going to go in the future? You know, there's a new PPA tour. I know Pickleball, Alberta. Now we're trying to look to, like, we're a volunteer board um, trying to manage 40 clubs and 10,000 members. We're going to have to look at doing some staffing so we can start actually engaging more and being able to, you know, have somebody that is, or a staff that is, you know, committed and, and uh, responsible for growing the game to where it has to go. Um, because right now it's almost, almost uncontrollable where we're going. And I know that, for example, if you go to the Red Deer Pickleball Club, uh, that's got 20 courts, you know, Red Deer put in 20 courts into their right a high school and They now for their social rec play will have round Robins and they will have all 20 courts filled and almost 20 courts of people waiting. So that is where the demand has to go. Like it's, and, and I think David was, you said that you played hockey. I look back at some old pictures and again, to be fair to pickleball, I look back at some old pictures of uh, some friends that I had that grew up in Edmonton that were playing minor hockey. we playing at outdoor rinks. So even the city of Edmonton then had, you know, kept up with their hockey rinks, but they have now. And I know there's, no, you know, it's, they need more and more. But I think, in fairness, to pickleball and the, the municipalities a little bit, is that you know they've got to learn to catch up with it as well and see the need and quench yeah. the uh, the thirst that we have for the to play this game for our for our seniors and for so many others. We have a great junior program as well.
0: Yeah. Kirk, whenever I watch pickleball on on TV and some video clips, it's always an outdoor video. It's not, rarely do I see happening indoor, at least on the videos that I've seen. Alberta's not known for its great weather 365 <laughs> days a year. So how do we handle that challenge? Is it always going to be indoor and then some outdoor? Or is it always going to be outdoor with a little bit indoor? When you start to you know forecast the future, yeah. where do you see it happening?
2: You know, that, That's a very good question because people don't all of a sudden just say, hey, i um I want, falls come, and the, trust me, we love playing outdoors, but all of a sudden winter comes and there's no possible way we're going to be playing outdoors. I, I've actually seen some YouTube clips of people skate playing on skates um, on a lake, which is kind of cool <laughs> yeah. with the net. You know, it's quite interesting. But uh, there are more and more, like I said, more of the private facilities that are becoming indoor because they need that 12-month revenue. So a lot of the private facilities are indoor. And there's also gymnasiums uh, that, that can get rented out by the different clubs in the different areas. Uh, and also some churches even have, like if you have a badminton court in your gymnasium or your church, you can play pickleball in it because it's basically the same lines.
1: Excellent. Okay.
2: So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good question.
1: Well, uh, Kirk, listen, thank you. Um, uh, the awareness is growing. You've got a big job, certainly yes. as a volunteer. We'll be fascinated to keep in touch. We know a lot of the, the seniors community is becoming aware, interested, and actually engaged in the sport more and more uh, every day. So we wish you good luck with all the plans that you've got and um, and the adoption, perhaps the support of some of the municipalities.
2: Thank you, David Faisal. And thank you for allowing me to talk about Pickle and Alberta and your seniors.
1: Cheers. Those three pillars social, Physical, mental, all part of a successful retirement, and we have to try to make sure all of those things are integrated in a, in, a, in a good plan. It's getting a little chilly in it's the morning, chilly. which means people are going to start thinking about, um, you know, the upcoming snowbird season, right, heading to warmer destinations, and so let's make sure everybody's prepared for that.
0: And so when we head into, we call it snowbird season, yeah. people are getting ready to flock away. Yeah, um, there's a few things that have happened over the last few years that have changed people's view of snowboarding yeah. flying all the concerns and so we definitely want to understand what's changed what we need to be prepared for um and, and we've got a great guest reoccurring guest mm-hmm. uh from goose insurance omar kaiwan is the co-founder and chief growth officer at goose insurance omar thank you for joining us today thank you for having me
1: i'm uh, glad to see you guys again well, we check in with you every year around this time, Omar. And last year, uh, well, as Faisal said, you know, over the last three years, given the pandemic and, um, you know, all of the change that happened in the travel industry, there were things people needed to be aware of with respect to the insurances that they had in place and, um, you know, travel restrictions and so on and so forth. Maybe we just start, uh, just give you a sort of an open platform. What, what do snowbirds need to be aware of this year that might have been different from last? Uh, That's a great question. I mean, there has been a lot of concerns, um,
3: particularly, and I think Faisal pointed out, too, um, for people who are planning on flying this year, um, you know, with flight cancellations, shortage of staff, we're continuing to sort of uh, see cases over and over again. uh, where flights are being delayed and no compensations being provided so that is a concern that is to general public and particularly to snowbirds as well as especially the ones who are planning on catching uh, the last little bit of cruises for example um uh, as well so um you know they don't want to miss their cruise if they're flying out of florida for example and and so on and so forth so that is definitely a bit of a concern but generally speaking snowbirds are always Um, needing to review their policy wordings and and their coverage, particularly when it comes to what is the total coverage they have, what is the longest duration that they can be out of the country, because it is uh, very important and it is different per age uh, in some policies. Preexisting medical conditions is Always a hot topic. Um, and what happens if I don't answer my medical health questions accurately or if, or if I make uh, a genuine mistake? What happens to my policy? Am I voided uh, uh, for coverage and so on and so forth? So these are some things that we are hearing. Um, and in terms of, you know, sort of coverages, it's really important that, especially at this time where a million dollars or half a million dollars of coverage really doesn't go that far considering how expensive things are getting. Uh, snowbirds really need to consider getting a decent amount of coverage. We highly recommend anywhere between five to ten million dollars. That's a good amount of coverage where you can be comfortable that, God forbid, if something does happen, that you do have adequate coverages.
0: One thing that that people have been saying to, at least myself, when we're having conversations about them going into their into their. Their, their winter homes and so forth abroad, is that they've got multiple levels of quote unquote coverage. I buy my plane ticket on my credit card, yep. I've got coverage there. I got I get travel insurance, I got coverage there. I got car insurance that protects me for a little bit of stuff there. I've got so much insurance, I don't know which one to use, when to use it, how, to, how it works, what's the limitation? So let's start with the two biggest ones. Credit cards offer some sort of protection to some degree, but fall short in certain areas. Where do they fall short and what do people need to be aware of that where where a company like Goose come in to to pick up that differential if they need to?
3: Um, That's a great question. This is something that we hear all the time. Unless you have a really truly premium credit card where the benefits are very clear and there are no sort of ambiguous limitations or exclusions, then you shouldn't really be depending on any credit card coverage, particularly for Canadian snowbirds. I know of credit cards that say that they have travel medical coverage that will cover you for seven days. But if you're over the age of 65, you have no coverage and that's in fine print. So you might have had it for 10, 15 years and you think you have coverage and you're continuing to rely on it, but you actually don't. So the one thing that we do have to remember with credit card coverages is that it's given to all credit card holders, all its members. It's a blanket policy. It is not particular to you when you're buying a travel insurance policy for yourself. It's really you're buying it for yourself. You're answering the medical health questions pertaining to you. It's a policy for you. The limitations, exclusions, um, and the benefits are very clear and should be to you. So um, for credit cards, I wouldn't rely on it. There are some benefits that credit cards have generally when it comes to, for example, things like flight delay. If your flight has been delayed for four hours or more, they might have a $100 or $200 meal voucher that you can claim for. Or if your luggage is, for example, delayed or stolen credit cards are typically good for those kind of non-medical coverages but when it comes to medical coverage particularly or any kind of travel medical insurance I personally would not recommend relying on uh, credit cards Um, does that answer your question
1: it does thank you great so what kind of um, what kind of things Omar should people be considering um, and Uh, You know, you mentioned medical, let's maybe start there. So pre-existing conditions. If somebody has, as we get older, everybody's got some aches and pains and whatnot. So if you've got some pre-existing conditions, does that automatically mean you're not going to be covered? And if that's the case, what do people need to consider as they're going to places like the United States where medical care could be very high? Absolutely, that's a great question. So um, a lot of policies don't offer
3: pre-existing medical coverages as part of the core policy, Uh, but certain policies such as Goose Insurance does offer you the ability to buy unstable pre-existing medical condition riders. So what that means is that if you do have unstable pre-existing medical conditions that you're concerned about and you do want to be able to ensure that you have some sort of coverage for them, you can buy an additional rider to have that uh, coverage in place. Typically, um, stability periods come into play. How long Mm -hmm. uh, have you been stable for? For example, um, something that, you know, as we get older, a lot of people take is, for example, um, uh, blood thinners or uh, baby aspirin, for example, in terms of medication. It's very, very uh, common for hypertension and and so on and so forth. If there hasn't been any kind of change in the dosage or your doctor hasn't made any kind of changes Mm -hmm. to that, particularly over the last, you know, year or two then, you know, that's something that is considered a stable pre-existing medical condition, but if you've had a change in the last 30 days, 7 days, 60 days depending on the policy, um, then you might be in a little bit of um, Uh, conundrum which you need to kind of figure out with your insurance provider to make sure that you have the right coverage Uh, but again these are great questions to also discuss because everybody's health conditions is different with a licensed agent if you're unclear about certain things or if you've had a change in your in your health um, make sure you speak to a licensed agent who is able to answer these questions for you adequately. Goose has licensed agents across the country in both French and English. So uh, we're more than happy to to answer any questions uh, your audience may have.
0: Omar, we've about a minute left before we have to go to, uh, for commercial break. We all know that Dave's not getting any younger, but he likes to travel. At <laughs> what age can does Dave's insurance get so high that he's going to go, <laughs> well, I, it's not worth traveling anymore? Is there a certain age category that Dave has to be worried about where it's just too expensive.
3: Uh, yes, it's 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 a combination of age, medical condition, and the duration of the trip. So, uh, you know. God forbid if David is on an oxygen tank and 95 plus and wants to go on three months of vacation, then we might be talking about thousands of dollars here. So it's really dependent. Uh, For a lot of Canadian snowbirds, it's very economical for them to consider a multi-trip annual policy, uh, which means that they can travel throughout the year, uh, you know, unlimited uh, based on the number of days that they choose for their multi-trip, and they can also extend that policy as well. Um, But typically when we're getting 85 plus, that is when it gets a little bit uh, pricey, uh, and it also depends on your medical condition. And if you're an 85 year old that is super healthy, no medical conditions, um, you know, and you're going on a two, three week, or even a month trip, uh, you shouldn't be worried about. So it's a really combination of those three things, age, medical condition, and the duration of your trip.
1: Omar, thanks very much. We have to leave it there. Appreciate your input. Thank you so much. Um, More and more we're seeing um, Canadians get involved in financial planning, uh, the financial planning exercise. Uh, Faisal, uh, you know, you and I debate this. Um, I think there's some very significant shortcomings of what's happening uh, in the financial planning process and and what the perception is. It can be so much more so, so than let, what it is.
0: Let, let me paint the picture. We had a great show today. We talked about snowboarding and all the issues come up with that. We talk about pickleball and the excitement and enter, entertainment and engagement you can have through your, through your, your retirement years. And, and it's all about that lifestyle and so forth. I, and I like that. And so then what our industry has done for decades mm-hmm. has told people if you fail to plan, You'll plan to fail. Mm-hmm. Okay? And they're right. And so what our industry has done, has done a very good job at saying, can I retire? They okay. A calculation. And they, they say, how much money do you have? Let's make an assumption on a, on a few things like rate of return, inflation, so for taxation. And here's the kind of income you can have and away you go. And you and I had a discussion in your office on Friday about this and I kind of got heated. And I compared this to buying a home. Mm -hmm. So remember, retirement is like buying a home. Retirement for many people and buying a home are based on one key criteria, the payment. Right. When you're buying a home, how much can I afford in my mortgage payment? That's the price of home I can get. And it's called the mortgage calculator. Done. In retirement, payment is also the thing. How much income can I generate from all of my assets that I'm using towards retirement and my guaranteed sources of income to provide me with what kind of lifestyle that I've painted in my mind? Yeah, right. It's called a financial calculation. Mm -hmm. Mortgage calculation, financial calculation. What we as homeowners know through wisdom (laughs) is that owning a home is not just the payment. Well, it's not just the mortgage payment, right? There's a whole bunch of stuff. Property tax? That cost money. Maintenance? There's a whole bunch of frustrations (laughs) that come with owning a home. Furniture? Kids that don't leave. (laughs) Kids that wreck your furniture. (laughs) Dogs that chew on stuff. All these things that come up with owning a home. Right. When you retire, it's not a payment that you're focused on. Right. It's what's happening in that life. And here's where I think the financial plan fails. They focus on the payment.
1: Well, and we've talked about this before. I'm gonna take that further. People think a financial plan is a retirement plan, right? People think a mortgage calculator is owning a home. There, it's an excellent analogy. It's not, right? It's not a payment, as you said. It's far too simplistic. And I hesitated or paused a little bit at the, at the top of the segment when you said, our industry has done a good job of, I don't think our industry has done a good job of anything around this, because we have reviewed plenty of plans where the assumptions are flawed as well. Uh, you know, So the inputs that you put in, yeah, and no. it's a little bit different than a mortgage calculator, fair. because yeah. the inputs that you put in, in a financial plan can determine the output. I can have a financial plan, say anything I want it to say, right? Unlike a mortgage calculator.
0: Which is interesting because there are times where people who will reach out to us and say, you know, here's my situation. What do you think? And give me your opinion on it. And then we kind of, you know, we have a discussion and they go, well, just do a financial plan for me. Right. And then I can see what's, what, what I should be doing with my investments. And I'm like, nope. Oh, how?" That doesn't dictate who you should deal with, and that's what part of our industry has done. They've used the financial plan as a sales tool.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: Or we get lots of people say,
1: "Well, just do a financial plan in advance for me, right?" What What's that going to tell you, right? What What are we solving for? And a financial plan is a dynamic document.
0: It's not. It's not a GPS set of coordinates. Bingo. It's a compass. Bingo. And that document, what people are asking for is, "Tell me the payment." Right use your assumptions and tell me the payment. Right. And what we're saying is a retirement plan has that financial calculation for sure, has tax analysis in it mm-hmm. to determine opportunities for tax savings, yep. has aging issues mm-hmm. such as healthcare costs in the future, mm-hmm. has estate planning and legacy that you wanna give during your life or after, has lifestyle enhancements, mm-hmm unexpected expenses impacts, right? Contingency. contingency? Yeah, contingencies and changes that is not a payment. Right. That's a plan and a strategy right. for everything. Right. And so when when you're going down this path of let's just do a financial calculation so I can see if I can retire, you're just answering one part of that whole piece. Right. And so the biggest um, hesitancy that people have when it comes to, let's do a retirement plan with PKAG, with Popwich Carmeli Advisory Group, is when we send them a whole bunch of questions and data that we need, one of the biggest hesitancy is, oh my God, that's so much, Right. I don't wanna do it. Right. That's a lot of work. What do you need all that information for? I just want to know if I can retire. Right. What 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 is what what is my tax documents and my my will and power of attorney have to do with my retirement plan?
1: And your current financial exposures and
0: all of those things. And and your family dynamics right. and and your lifestyle needs yeah. and
1: Is what, your will current and
0: the personal directives? How old is your house? And right. all these questions that we ask. What kind of vehicles do yeah. you drive? Oh my god, that's just, that's so much. I just want to know if I can retire. Right. And they're not saying if they wanna know they can retire. They just wanna know a calculation.
1: They wanna know a payment. Give me my payment. Right. It's not a financial plan. It's
0: certainly not a retirement plan. And so what's interesting now is that people have been trained well to just focus on the payment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our job oh, has fair. been to disassociate that. Could you imagine if the housing industry and the, and the mortgage industry came out and said, it's not just about a mortgage. It's about all these other things. Right. And do you have enough in your financial situation to be a homeowner? Oh, no, you're going to have less houses sold for sure.
1: Right. And, you know, again, when, you, when you're thinking about a mortgage and that payment, when you're sitting down with that person, mortgage broker, they're not having a conversation with you. Well, okay, great. You can afford the house. What are you doing for the landscaping? And
0: what about your furniture? capital costs in
1: the future. What about the maintenance on that? And, and, and,
0: and, right? (laughs) It's, it's and only a veteran homeowner that's gone through a lot. Absolutely. Will tell you, it's not just about the payment. Right. And when I, when I tell young Canadians, you know, add 2% of the value of the home as capital costs over your life per year on average. No, that's too much. Right. I'm buying a, I'm buying a $500,000 house. I'm not going to put $10,000 aside for capital costs. Right. Um, that's a furnace and right. a flood.
1: Hot water heater. Yeah. Roof. Shingles. Windows.
0: That doesn't happen in retirement. Right. What's the capital cost you should put aside for the unexpected stuff that goes on? Well, or the things that you want that's more than just the payment. Right. Right. Because often when people are doing it, they're, they're, they're making this payment
1: <laughs> calculation on basic lifestyle costs. It's, it, sorry, basic living costs, not lifestyle. And, and basic, it means what they spend on an average month. Yeah. So they can turn the lights on and feed themselves, right? Not on lifestyle. So I hope that's a good analogy, right? Yeah, you came up with a good analogy on Friday when we were chatting about that. I think this will resonate with people, right? And I and, and I think that kudos to people that are, are now thinking about doing financial planning that weren't, say, a year ago. That's fantastic. But, but be realistic in what that process should, what the output of that process should be.
0: And this is why we focus with our clients to update that plan every three years. Right. One is because we've learned from the pension world that an actuarial report is done every three years on a pension, so shouldn't you have the same respect for your own wealth? Yep. Okay. The other one is things change over three years. They sure do. Life changes, things happen. And so your view of what you want in your life will change. Correct. either some small amount to a large degree. Yeah. Literally, I had a conversation with a client on Thursday, lit two years ago. We love living in, in Calgary. I'm going to stay here. and then all of a sudden, we want to move to Italy, right? Now that's a drastic example. But things change. But things change. And that's why updating the plan on a regular basis every three years is important as well.
1: So let's talk about this idea of a lifestyle plan, right? The retirement plan that incorporates lifestyle. We're going to do that at our upcoming seminar.
0: On Tuesday, the 26th of September, 7 p.m. at the Hamptons Golf and Country Club. You do need to register for this, so go to morethanmoneyradio.com.
1: Okay, well, thank you for joining us for another edition of More Than Money on QR Calgary. On behalf of Faisal, myself, and the whole PKAG team, we look forward to chatting with you next week.